Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. And in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guests. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'd like to thank our sponsor, The Money Nerve, a financial resource that helps you have a healthier relationship with money. Do you feel shame around your past financial decisions? Do you feel alone in your financial struggles? Do you self-sabotage your potential financial successes? Do you keep making the same choices, expecting different results? The Money Nerve has just launched a new online course called The Course to Financial Freedom. To learn more, go to themoneynerve.com forward slash course. The Money Nerve has an offer to all Money You Should Ask listeners for a 25% discount on the course. Use code MYSA, all caps, 25, and start your course to financial freedom now. Thanks again to our sponsor. So I'm actually really honored today to have um, two guests, uh, a husband and wife. Uh, They have their own podcast called The Cosmic Matrix Podcast, um, which you can find on veilofreality.com, and we'll have all that on the the website. Um, Please welcome Bernard Gunther and his wife, Laura Matsu, and these guys... And gals um, have a great background. They um, they've studied a lot of healing uh, modalities. Um, Bernard has studied at uh, Esalen Institute in Big Sur, which is an amazing place. He studied at the per- the Percussion Institute of Technology. Like it's probably I could take thirty minutes to talk about what each of you have done because it's it's pretty uh, intense. Uh, Laura has is offering now astrology. She's a meditation teacher, holistic life coach, registered yoga teacher, and um, you've got also a range of modalities. It's like, um, yeah, I could I think we could talk for like about a hundred hours, and I would just soak it all up. Um, welcome. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you, Bob. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And um, so, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about money. And uh, I imagine in your work, you deal with a lot of energy. And I'm wondering, for both of you, what does um, what does the word money mean to you? And, and how does it relate to your lives? Well... I'll start right now. It's been, it's, it's, I'm really looking forward to this podcast, this conversation, because we have definitely gone, or I've constantly gone through a transformation around my beliefs around money. Right now, as of now, money is freedom mm. for me, you know, to really like, uh, to uh, be able to do my work better, to be of better service, to have a certain freedom to navigate in this world, to really do what I truly want to do from a, from a deeper soul perspective. Back in the days, I had a lot of conflict with my spiritual aspirations and money and equated money with evil. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> it's not good to have money. When you have the more money you have, the greedier you are, you know, all these beliefs. And I was, I went through a whole transformation of reconciling my spiritual aspiration with like everyday money affairs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's cool. it in a nutshell. Cool. 
Yeah, a similar journey for me. Um, it's actually in my astrology chart to learn about money. <laughs> it's part <laughs> of my own soul purpose. Like I'm, I've been so good at dealing with like in depth emotional stuff, spiritual stuff, and kind of took the aesthetic approach to life. I, my f- parents as well. They told me things like uh, money doesn't buy happiness, and kind of ingrained this belief that money was less important than other things in life, which I think is a good journey to go on because that helped me strengthen my spiritual practice and and explore other things but then when it came down to it like when I was struggling financially my spiritual practice suffered because uh, the basic survival needs weren't taken care of so I really realized that it was even part of my own spiritual path to find out more about money and how to create security and how to create um, a life for myself so that's that's kind of where I started unpacking these beliefs I had about money. And did, um, it sounds like your parents were a little, um, were supportive in the notion that money wasn't the driving force. Um, And I'm wondering, Bernard, you were saying that money is evil and people are greedy. And did that, was something that you just observed or was that something that you heard growing up? It's more like it ties into growing up, you know, if, if my uh, parents had, I grew up in Germany, which maybe should be obvious already <laughs> based on my accent, um, and Germany, and my dad is a good, was always a good company man, right? And <laughs> he's been with this, you know, all the generation, been in the same company for 40, 50 years in this pension retirement. He was all about education. And it started in school. I never, I didn't like school, being told what to learn. I, I couldn't find any passion. And I just followed along the program, even went in in Munich to I started to study economics and business for the only reason because well life is about I had this program the more money I have the happier I will get that's what people say so I just should go there and, and study economics in the University of, of Munich and uh, it, it didn't make me happy I was completely depressed and all of that um, so you know like then that's when they developed like almost this rejection of of the world of money like this 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 you know the i went the opposite end in the sense i had to first like who am i right what's going who am i truly and i was rejecting all of my 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 father's side and he was also very security based you know have a good education the secure job and all of that and that's been a program that's been running for me for a while too right so there was always fear based and my projections against you know money is evil just you know i just thought like you know rich people are just greedy and then no no rich person is honest you know they must have you know you know you see like it's all it's all it's not that black and white but i had a lot of like judgments and projection that came actually i realized from my own process from my own unhappiness within myself and I got into some sort of also poverty consciousness, you know, like, you know, blaming the outside world for the for my affairs and whatnot. And similar to what, uh, what Laura experienced, too. Uh, but at the same time, I realized I needed to find myself first, my path, my passion. Right. And then I realized, OK, then, you know, um, I need to also there needs to be an energy exchange. You know, in the end, as cliche as it sounds, money is like it's not this material thing, but it's it's about energy exchange. Yeah. It's a give and take. Yeah. Yeah. And the deep, I, you know, I, I found my passion in the work I'm doing, also body work, massage, holistic coach, and uh, and everything else I'm doing right now. I love it. But at the beginning, I even had a hard time charging clients. Mm-hmm. You know, right. because equated like, oh, I'm doing spiritual work. It comes so easy to me. I should do it for free. And then there was even guilt coming up mm-hmm. for charging. And it took me yeah. some years to really like, 
um, reconcile that and like, okay, this is what I'm worth. And it's an energy exchange. I'm giving you this and you're giving me that. Yeah. 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 And what – can you say a little bit more about – because this comes up a lot. I I know this happens with therapists. They'll tell me I I don't like – you know, I don't want to charge my client. We were in the middle of a really intense – process and then it feels bad to go that'll be 120 bucks thank you and uh right it it diminishes the experience Mm -hmm. um so how did you come to realize it's an exchange uh and and it's okay to charge because it is the exchange like how did what was the the shifting moment or was it moments like how did what was the journey Um, Yeah, I can answer that. Uh, I think even just recently, we realized that we were doing our work and we were exhausted after and we were not. That was a sign that we were kind of operating at a deficit. We were putting way more time and energy than we were getting back. So we realized that our business model was not functioning in a way that was allowing us to stay healthy emotionally, spiritually. We were running ourselves uh yeah, we were just over, over giving, over giving. And I think it's really awesome to over deliver, you know, for the people that you work for. But we were we were just exhausting ourselves with our work. And then it was clear, like, I think we heard this quote once that money uh, is fuel, you know, and we were yeah. basically running out of fuel. So. Um, so, yeah, that was where and that was um, basically a recent realization because I've gone through the same journey as well. And then I just realized it's just a belief like anything else, you know, so like your belief that that you should do things for free is a belief. Your belief that, that, that you should charge a few hundred dollars for a service is also a belief, and it just depends on what paradigm you're operating in. Yeah, and ultimately it ties also what I realized. It's, it's definitely in process and stages. Your own self-worth, right? Yeah. That's what it kind of mm-hmm. ties into. And then also just on a very practical uh, perspective you know i mean when i go to a restaurant or go to get my car fixed i pay for the service of course i pay for it i'm not expecting right. yeah. to be free so how should it be any different in in the profession we are in yeah you know? yeah. yeah well it's i love that money is fuel that that's an awesome quote um i really like that and i'm wondering though do you find other folks in your community in doing healing work and energy that there's this push away from or from money and um yeah and it's it's so interesting to me because in energy and in the healing work we're feeding into our goodness and we're feeding into healing the wounds and yet money seems to be a wound that gets bypassed yeah, that's um, like what I touched on before, this like aesthetic approach to life. Like most spiritual people think, oh, I'm just going to go meditate and live in a cave and ashrams and that's going to be my life, you know. And they right. neglect, even if you go to India, you actually see that they neglect the material world because that aesthetic approach to life is infused into their whole culture. So I think it's really, I mean... That's kind of where the hard, grounded work in 3D reality comes in is like, okay, let me do my taxes, my finances, my bookkeeping. That stuff isn't fun, you know? (laughs) Maybe it's fun for you. It's not? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) This is news to me. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Um, but that's where the work comes in. And I mean, basically it comes down to our values, you know, like we're really big about the embodiment process, which is bridging the spiritual into matter, bringing spirit and matter together. And that includes making yourself financially literate. Like, of course it does. If you're operating and you're in like $20,000 in debt or even more, some people I know who went to university and took a debt for that, then that impacts every area of your life. You can't actually separate it from your spiritual, emotional. You can kind of have little compartments, but you can't separate it. It always impacts all areas of life. So I think that was a huge reality check for me because I, I mean, there's many people who actually um, get angry at us for charging, you know, because they operate in that in that yeah. belief system that this should be free. You should be doing this all for free. And I actually tried that. I tried to similar to him. I was doing free sessions. I had lived it an intentional community in Eco Village, which was very all about no one gets paid. We just live here in a community and it didn't work for me, you know? Yeah. So my whole belief system had to change as I realized what was and was what well it wasn't working for me. Yeah. Laura made a good point, especially because at the beginning also my work, like also the reason you know our work I write a lot, I put a lot of free content out there. Yeah. A you lot, know, a lot yeah. of uh, articles, you know, podcasts, essays, videos, all and then especially in this what I know in this world nowadays is information age every since so much free stuff is on the internet people have a certain entitlement oh this should be free this should, they don't understand how much work goes into even producing a podcast mm -hmm. right now so there's a little bit like this this conditioning that's happening and similar to what laura experience i used to like you know i started giving sessions because people had so many questions about my work and i have a natural gift to to uh, hear people's story to meet them at and give them advice coaching and whatnot And I also get free sessions at the beginning, you know, and people were like struggling, like, okay, we can just pay me whatever you want, you know, but I've noticed that those clients were the most insincere. And they so didn't value you. They didn't value right. you truly. Like that is very interesting. The more people are willing to invest in themselves, mm. the more successful yeah. they were on their own process. And I noticed in myself because I've also been, despite my issues money, like I didn't think twice. Like I, with the material world, I, Laura knows, I have a hard time going shopping. I like, I don't really need this. I don't know. Like, you know, I've, maybe at some later time, but when it comes to self-development, I've invested ten thousands of dollars into excellent courses, mm. workshops, self-development, you know what I mean? Learning about myself, uh, nothing material, but investing into myself, which really helps me grow. Yeah. Right. And how did, how do you, or do you, when people get mad at you, like, what do you say? Hmm. Like, how dare well, you charge me? I just had a great experience. How dare you charge me? What do you say? Well, they, well, from now on, we don't want to cater to people who like, just like we But have. First of all, I want to say people who say this actually never had sessions with us to yeah. social people. media. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I produced this eight hour webinar, like long webinar all some on a certain topic and I charged yeah. God forbid two hundred dollars for it. The people were attacking me on Facebook, yeah. like what are you charging this for? Da 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 and all of that. And I'm like And a good question how you react because because of my own insecurity, sometimes I start defending myself and explaining myself, which I shouldn't do. I'm like mm -hmm. take it or leave it. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> In that sense. Yeah, these uh, a lot of the people who uh, 
critic like they had this belief basically a lot of these people also live in a po- state of poverty themselves yeah. so paying even fifty dollars for something is a stretch for them so and I found the same thing that he did is that if people are willing to invest in themselves then they'll get a lot more out of it it's almost like they have more skin in the game so they're like if I give them a homework exercise and the coaching they'll go and do it because they want to get their money's worth you know and then if you give stuff away for quote unquote free yeah. um, then then it doesn't seem like they value it as much in fact they they have usually have like feedback and criticism if you give stuff away for free they're like oh you could improve this free product which is awesome the feedback <laughs> but it's usually coming from a place of like wanting more wanting it to be a different way so yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah it's interesting I too used to because accounting was something that came easy to me easy to me it wasn't what I envisioned doing in my life it was just oh this is easy and so mm. I did it. And <laughs> so then I felt guilty that other people that really studied really hard and really didn't like what they did um, charge money. And I'm like, oh, mm. so he, yeah, here, I'll just do it. And so I, I sort of blamed my staff in the beginning. I'd say, I'd do it for free. Mm. But my staff, apparently, they like to eat and pay rent. And, <laughs> um, and I wouldn't be able to keep anybody. So, you know, that's I started out sort of redirecting uh, to my staff. And then later... You know, I'd have clients that were, you know, billionaires would say, hey, can you give me a discount? And I and I I finally was able to say, um, well, here's the thing. Here's what I charge. And if it's not a good price for you, that's fine. But if I discount you, I'm going to resent working for you and Mm. I'm not going to give you all of my energy. And I know we give a really good service. You are highly recommended. And he goes, enough said, Uh, no discounts. And, you know, but it took a Mm -hmm. while. And I think for a lot of people, it's hard to say I have value, right? We want, you know, emotionally, we want to say, you know, I see my goodness and um, I know my value. But when it comes to financially, it's really hard to say, yeah, see my monetary value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we don't see it as an exchange like you were talking about Mm -hmm. that we that it's a it's a. It's a quantitative measurement instead of an energy exchange of, of so. Yeah. yeah, that's a key thing, too, I learned as well, is that when I was, I, I could always tell when I wasn't charging what I was worth, because I would actually end up tired and resenting the person, and that's no good for the kind of work that we do, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> right. Now, Laura, did you envision the current, the current future, the your current, your current. Oh my God! Let me try again. Did you, as a child, envision your future, and is your current reality the vision that you had? No. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh-huh. I. I Actually, I think my first like wish as a child, I actually wanted to be famous and be on SNL because I watched <laughs> SNL when I was really young, and I was like, "Wow!" I thought they had so much fun and laughing all the time, and I had no idea. Uh, my life took a sharp turn in 2012. Actually, I had a bunch of awakening experiences that just redirected my life completely. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and. You talked about even in your astrology chart that uh, that learning about money is is part of your life journey. Yeah. Um, what are the things that you think that you need to learn, or what are the things that you're looking at um, as you educate yourself? 
Um, really just, I mean, the other day we met with our own business coaches and they were showing us our, our, our books for the past six months. And I, it was like a whole new world for me. Like I can go into like trauma and like all this spiritual part of reality. But then when it comes to this base, what may seem very basic to them, I was like, whoa, like this is very new. And, um, so that's really just being aware of like what's going on in my finances, tracking it, being aware of where I'm I'm like spending money, losing money, where it's profitable for me to spend my time, you know? And interestingly, it actually tends to be in alignment with where my passions lie and where I'm not putting enough time and energy into. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. like it's it's fairly new to us to actually look at our books and see where money's coming in, see where we're losing money, see where it's better for us to invest time. Yeah. That's We've been completely in the dark about this until even just a couple months ago. So that was a huge reality check for me. And I can always tell when there's stuff for me to learn because it's completely confusing to me at first like i'm sure what you do like i would just be like whoa like a whole new planet to me basically. yeah yeah <laughs> and when you started looking at the numbers a couple of months ago like mm-hmm. are you doing budgeting are you like okay we're gonna spend oh yeah um are we we're not well it's interesting because like a similar to you know like always threatened like the tax appointment you know which actually you helped me like you know even with your nature and everything like to oh it's actually not that bad i just mm. gotta instead of resisting and feeling yeah. it no i have to take responsibility and look at it this is just the way it is mm. the more resisted the lack here's here's the thing the lack of clarity and knowledge mm-hmm. got me more anxiety than un- until I actually see the numbers and understand what's going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, we hired, we also invested in, in the business coaches and the bookkeeper. Finally, now we need to more responsible, possibly incorporate at some point in all of that. And mm-hmm. what I saw, interestingly, you know, because I've been always without budget, just kind of going by, it's going to, it works itself out somehow, right? Right. And we're actually looking at the books, we were pretty good. We always had more profit than, you know, than we were uh, spending money. Yeah. yeah. But now we know better. Now we can do it more consciously, right? To right. even like expand from, from that place on. So it gives us a better clarity and understanding. And then like having that foundation, that knowledge now benefits our own process mm. and our, uh, our own business really, you know? Yeah. I think our lesson, too, is learning how to, like, spend money consciously because I came from, like, I I spent the last few years, like, traveling to India and Peru and really focusing on spiritual stuff. I don't know how to, like, spending money is actually very new to me. It it started making me uncomfortable as well, being like, okay, like, we need to buy a nice camera or whatever. You know, like, that's actually kind of my discomfort zone, whereas more people, like, want to buy more stuff, more stuff. I'm actually like, okay, like, I don't know what to do with it when I have it. Yeah. (laughs) Where do you feel the discomfort, like physically, for both of you, when Mm. when you feel the resistance or you feel the uncomfortableness? Like, where does that appear? How does that Mm. show up? Mm. I think just uh, like a fear, you know, a fear. That's what it comes down to. Like in a tummy, a little, yeah. you know, just, um, just anxiety, just fear, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's like it ties. I mean, we, we use meditation. Like usually, when you know, in our process, we also need to apply the work we teach, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. we're all about somatic work, meditation. So taking responsibility for everything you feel, right? Not blaming yeah. the outside world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Key point, right? Yeah. Especially with money. Like you can, I realize you can do all the visual 
visualizations and affirmations like I'll be a millionaire next year, blah, blah, you know, all this thing. If you don't dig deeper and go into the unconscious self-defeating beliefs or Mm -hmm. the fears, right? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, my meditation somatic into my body is like, it's, you know, not to sound <clears throat> too, you know, um, too catastrophic, but it's like it's rooted in the fear of death, of security, of, oh, my God, I'm not going to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. So hence the hoarding, the clinging, the holding on. Mm. Right. And even I noticed I have, I'm good at savings, but I always had this imaginary number. I should have so much amount of my money saved mm. to feel secure and that would go up and up. So I would yeah. just start to hoard. But it got me also, but I had a hard time spending, investing. So becoming more um, comfortable with spending large amounts of money, which then did overriding this fear. Then I realized too, like that's where money is energy comes in. It's just engaging in the flow because the more I spend consciously, the more maybe sounds cheesy, but the more the universe has come, is is responding and giving back to me. So there's like yeah. an interrelational loop, right? It's kind of, I noticed the more I invested myself and I took courses, workshop, all of a sudden, oh, I'm getting more clients all of a sudden. So there's yeah. a weird mystery. Yeah. Well, I think being conscious doesn't take away from spirituality or any of that stuff. It's just, I think a lot of us do have that under, I call it the undervoice that where, yeah, I want a million bucks. Not for you, right? And, uh, like, I want success. Don't kid yourself. And it's like, and, right? And then, but that's the voice that's actually driving us, not yeah, the one that we're yeah. proclaiming. And yeah. as you were talking, it made me realize uh, for myself, like, money is a thing. Now, I haven't always done things correctly because I had a lot of self-sabotage. But Mm -hmm. reading numbers and looking at stuff was something that felt really safe and secure. Mm. The rest of my life was, um, is this going to kill me? Like, I had a lot of trauma. And so Mm -hmm. everything was, my measurement was, will I die? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. talking to a person, am I going to die? Stepping out, am I going to die? But Mm -hmm. give me numbers, I'm like, oh. And I felt completely... Safe, And I think a lot of people, my experience is a lot of people have trauma around money mm. or finances, yeah. oh, for sure. carrying the family baggage or the family yeah. shame or the family secrets. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we've been unpacking that. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Like, I mean, because his family were academics, my family were academics. So the belief there is that you need to go into tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of debt and then you get right. trapped in a job that you hate anyway, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I luckily resisted that like crazy and didn't end up uh, going down that road. But I still had that belief that I had to get rid of. It's like, okay, you can only, you, this is the path. You have to go to university for either three, to eight to ten years, you know, and then you get a job, and that's the only way to make money. And then I had a very entrepreneurial spirit, even at a young age, and so I was figuring out how to make money at like five years old, or not five, but like eight, I would go to school and make little things and sell them to people. So I saw actually very young that you could create your own abundance and create your own life, but then that programming always came up. I'd be like, no, how am I doing this? Like, even when I was working as an independent journalist, I was getting paid jobs, and I was like, but I didn't go to school to do this, I have to go back to school, like that programming just went against what was actually happening in reality, so that was my own belief to get over, that you could just go out and make a life and be entrepreneurial and create your own life basically, and just completely not engage in that system, you know yeah yeah, so that's where my underlying belief. I ha- that voice has calmed down because now I just don't believe in that system at all. I see my friends who are in a lot of debt and they have to 
work at this job to pay it off, you know, and it just seems to, it just seems that they're operating in an energetic deficit, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier. Yeah, exactly. We have to pause. Okay. He's going to push a button. I want to follow up on this. This is, I love this. I can go. Um, So this place where you have to be certified or educated or you know, a professional, um, Hmm. that is so, I think that is really strong, um, in the U S maybe everywhere else, Germany, I'm not sure, but, um, I know when somebody tells me, Oh, you know, I didn't go to college. There's a part of me that's like, what? Like, but you seem smart or you seem capable. Right. And, um, like that's my own blind spot of, um, thinking because that's what I was taught. You must, you have to be qualified. You can't. And then, you know, what I'm doing this and people are paying me. And so I, I really resonate with that place of in academia. Yeah. you got to do all this stuff and go into debt. Um, do what you hate uh, that. What a joyous idea. Do what you hate. That's <laughs> terrible. <Exactly. laughs> but so many people do it. Yeah. yeah. Now, exactly. did you have Bernard, did you have a job that you were in for a while that you like, you didn't like it in school, but was there something that you did that, like every day? Wow, I sure don't like this. Yeah, that was when I in, in Munich uh, after high school. I said like I studied business economics at the University of Munich for two years, but I hated it. I was mm-hmm. you know, and then something happened. I met a good friend. I made a good friend, and he introduced me to drums and percussion. Ah. And I was at the age of nineteen. I was I remember clearly in this space and playing drums, and I had this experience like, wow like a transcendental experience, like playing drums connected to something high. I felt so much joy and bliss like I'd never experienced in my whole childhood. I, you know, because I never knew what I wanted to do. And in this moment, this is what I want to do. I don't care about anything else. Mm. Yeah. So I quit, uh, like out of the completely illogical, right? Yeah. From the outside perspective, and right. certainly not uh, to the liking of my parents. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I quit. High, I, I quit. Uh, um, at college or university and started just working in the warehouse day job to save up money because I wanted to study this. I want to pursue, pursue that hundred percent to save up money, to go to LA to the percussion Institute of technology, very world renowned, uh, uh, percussion, uh, school. And I pursued that, you know, and like to give my parents credit, they definitely also supported me in their own ways, although they couldn't understand what, what, what is he doing? You right. know, they always like security, maybe you should finish the, the, you know, get your certificate or your degree. But that, you know, I just realized I've been not taught in school. You know, I don't want to throw the baby with the bathwater. Some people find their path in academia, right? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, absolutely. absolutely. But, it's, but it's so homogenized. It's like, it's such an, you know, everybody's so different. Yeah. Right. I was missing in, in, in public education. Nobody taught me how to prepare for my emotional life. I was always very sensitive. Or financial you know? literacy too. Or financial, any of that. Like I didn't learn. So I want to learn about myself. I want to express myself artistically. I was yeah. almost, I felt like expressing the side, the, uh, the uh, other extreme of my dad, which he, you know, is my dad is very logical, atheist, business oriented, you know, more power to that. And I was like, no, I want to like go and, uh, and play drums and take mushrooms and see what's happening. Right. Exactly. You know, I, mean, I want to explore myself. There was a self exploration. And then during that time in my twenties, I had this dream. I want to be a rock star. I'm drumming and mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And then that was a whole culture shock to, you know, all of that. But, you know, I didn't mind working like I would like uh, day jobs. In yeah. that moment, I didn't care because I had this passion, this driving mm-hmm. force, you know. Mm-hmm. But similar to what Laura experienced for me, it was like, 
you know, I thought I was going to do. And then within that self-exploration, I found other talents I didn't know I had, like my healing hands, like body work. I really hadn't talent for that that came similar to you with the numbers, came easy to me. And then mm-hmm. I, was, right. I met my mentor, who is a, a, a client of yours, uh, Russ Pfeiffer. Um, oh, yeah. I met him in, yeah, in the 90s. He introduced me to body work in the 90s and yoga. And he was my roommate and he showed me some, you know, techniques. And then people came to me and because I had this gift. And then, wow, all of a sudden I have this. And then I went to massage school, body work and SLN. You know, I feel also, you know, the problem with the education system, we are supposed to figure out what we want to do at the age of 18, 19, 20. But right. most of it, we don't know until later. So I didn't have this other gift until my late 20s or early 30s. Oh, I can do this. And yeah. then, you know, similar to what you asked Laura before, if you tell me, have told me like 15, 20 years ago that I'm doing what I'm doing now, I would laugh into your face. It's right. like, well, kidding me? Like, right. And now I'm but truly fulfilled, you know? Right. And I'm actually glad, really I'm grateful that I quit college because I didn't get programmed of all this stuff. I yeah. learned. And there's something to be said, like, there's still like, you know, I've learned, I've studied myself. I've learned, you know, took workshops, read a lot, studied. I became my own university because you still want to become knowledgeable, right? Right. About right. all of that. Yeah. For me, I like, didn't like the structure of school, the school mm-hmm. system and how it was set up. I found it was like very, like, it didn't actually leave space for innovation because you right. had this set structure of books you had to learn from that was decided upon, you know, by the school board and whatnot. And I was so much more like out there and very like, uh, I was very curious. I was like an avid reader, even in a very young age, but what they were teaching in school was not innovative to me at all. So that was my own struggle. And then I found out, I mean, the whole education system is, it doesn't leave a lot of room for innovation as well. Like the way it's set up, it's kind of like, okay, this is what we're learning, you know? Um, so for me, I'm I think even with Bernhard's work like we're very like cutting edge in spirituality we really go into different areas that may be beyond the norm so we need that freedom to explore to explore as well yeah I think it's it's interesting to me um you know I know education is important but I do feel like a lot of especially um, public schools um, are about training sheep <laughs> and um, try, teaching compliance. Um, yeah. I was fortunate. I went to a liberal arts college where we were encouraged to challenge the teachers, where mm-hmm. we, were, uh, we were given a lot of expression, which was something that I appreciated. But I didn't want to go to college. But for me, I knew um, that if I didn't get a college degree, I probably wouldn't be able to – my programming was I wouldn't be able to have success um, mm-hmm. because, like, I would look at somebody and go, what do you mean you don't have a college education? I've pe- I knew that people would look at me that way. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'm just going to do it and get it over with, you know, take the pill um, because it's – yeah, I don't think our education system nurtures actual knowledge. Mm-hmm. It, it nurtures learn this and regurgitate it on a test. You're done. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like more mental, like memory. If you're good at memorizing, you can um, a student basically. It's not much creativity, right? Yeah. But you know, as you shared this, I remember like going back to your first question about when my first belief about money is bad and evil, like not because I reject because I didn't find happiness within that system, which was geared towards like success in the material world. I rejected it completely. Mm. You know what I mean? So similar, I had this like oh, you know, my own. 
I went the other extreme to like just spirituality, self-work and all of that, but neglected the, the physical world, you know, and now yeah. we realized our own process. Now it needs to be holistic, all inclusive. Yeah. You cannot separate it. And yeah. we also noticed like what Laura alluded to, you need to have a good physical foundation, you mm. know, to work, to do even deeper spiritual work. That's one of the teachings. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, Gurdjieff, he's like a, a esoteric mystery school teacher. Um, he wrote the book uh, In Search of the Miraculous and the Fourth Way Teachings. And he talked to, before you can go deep and really true deeper spiritual work or esoteric work, you need to become a good obivatal, uh, which is a Russian like uh, expression for like a good worker, meaning like have a foundation in the physical world, yeah. right? To handle your physical affairs. You know, we even process a lot of people, like they want to meditate and ascend to the ether, but they don't have even their basic physical body nutrition you know, in order, like on that basic level, or even like some, like a home, you know, like a home, like a foundation to live somewhere or like, you know, just, and that ties exactly into the, into the money topic as well. Yeah. Right. To have a certain financial foundation and taking responsibility for it, basically. Yeah. It's also, I study Tibetan Buddhism and is woven into the philosophy of Buddhism that you need to have that basic physical foundation, that livelihood in order to do the deeper work. Because if you're worried about what how you're going to eat or how you're going to, where you're going to live, then how are you going to have the space to do that deeper inner work? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It, that, you know, when I was in, um, when I was in Tanzania, um, a lot of people, you know, average income at the time was $99 a year, hundred dollars a year and very happy people, uh, which blew my mind, which was part of my life journey of like, I, I came back going, these people are happy and they're living in, huts that they just pick a space on the land um in the u.s you know if you don't have a house then you're homeless and you're not allowed on the street right and then they Uh, like mm. they like la has a very large homeless population and like down my street there's tents and tents 10 years ago they would have all just been you know tear the tents down there's if you don't have a support system or a network um yeah. It is hard to even survive. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in when I was in Africa, people could live off the land. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I've heard up in like Seattle or Portland, they're starting to put apple trees and fruit trees in parks, which I think is awesome. But I, it's if you don't have the basics or access to them, it's hard to. It is hard to survive. I think in this country. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because we're in a very different situation. Like, I was trying to live similar to maybe how they lived in Tanzia, an intentional community. Like, okay, let's all grow our own food and just be happy and don't worry about uh, money so much. But, you know, we are in this Western context. So you have to always, you know, as much as these philosophies, these tribal communities, like, they feed our idealism about this ideal world, it doesn't actually apply to the world that we live in as well. And I'm sure... I bet you that this uh, community in T- Tanzania, they have a sense of community, too. Oh, and yeah. And they have that connection. I think that is one of the, uh, I think, in a way, a disadvantage for us in the West. We are so um, prosperous that we have used it to alienate ourselves from community. Mm-hmm. We have the money to build a wall and block people out. And in Africa and in, in communities where I've been, where there's not so much wealth, they rely on each other. And yeah. even if you're annoyed with you know the local drunk, he's still part of the community and somebody's <laughs> still looking out for him, right? It's yeah. like everything – 
is part of the community, whatever it is. And yeah. and here we can go, yeah, I'm going to just move to another neighborhood or I'm going to build a bigger fence. Mm-hmm. And I think we – I think – a lot of people in this country, my belief is that we're learning, we're yearning for community and we're yearning for connection, but we've been shamed into believing that it's not cool. Yeah. 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 Like the hyper individualization. Exactly. I mean, that, that's maybe the dark side, you know, I I mean, even like to quote the Bible, the, the, the the love for money is the root of all evil. You know what I mean? Which the people mistake, oh, money is the root of all evil. Exactly. It's not the love, it's the greed, Mm. you know, which I, so I have to give like, you know, despite, obviously there's a lot of craziness happening in this country right now. Right. But I also know for myself, like what I've built here, my work and everything, I couldn't have done that in Europe, actually. Mm. Right. There's, there's been more freedom to express myself, to do the work I do. You know what I mean? That's almost the, the paradox. There's more social uh, um, safety net in Europe or in Germany. Right. But I would have not been able to freely pursue my business as I'm doing here. So there's more opportunity, but more risks to fall deeper as well, in a sense. Yeah. But it's like, Lord, there's hyper-individualization. It's, a, you know, you know, we, we've been also, listening, I'm sure you're familiar with, gotten more into Robert Kuizaki's work. Yeah. You know? Love well, him. I like, I, like, I like him a lot. And he also said, it's like finding your path. And like, if you start doing stuff for money, you're lost in it, in yeah. the trap. It's not right. about working for money. It's like, what is your passion? Like, what do you really love doing? And then, you know, uh, create the wealth around that. Yeah. That's, that's the attitude. Absolutely. Where do you want to see yourselves in 20 years? Uh, I'll probably have like 20 dogs by then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, we definitely want like a nice home, you know, for <laughs> ourselves. Uh, I would like to have some land so that I could have a lot of animals, basically, mm-hmm. as well as grow my own food. Um, yes, we all know we, we work well together. And Maybe be enlightened by then. Home, home <laughs> is very important. You know, and also community, you know, even yeah. if we already, with our work of the courses, we have a, a community, so online community, so to speak, to help and support each other during these times we're in, right? Mm-hmm. And also yeah. see uh, this opportunity right now with all the crisis. I always feel there's a silver lining. There's a revolution happening on some level and even a financial revolution, right? Um, but, you know, the way we see us, you know, it's definitely, you know, um, being of service, being aligned with, with what we truly value and, you know, and uh, living prosperous as well at the same time and crea- creating abundance. And abundance is not just money. Abundance goes beyond money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you could both go back to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you give yourself? If I would go back 18 years old, I would right away with, um, you know, like everything, I have no regrets. So everything is, yeah. is perfect, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if, you know, to entertain that question, I would have like, despite all your other pursuits, artistically, spiritually, emotionally, you know, educate yourself financially as well. Yeah. Mm. I would have probably given myself the same feedback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this has been awesome. I know we've, we're coming towards the end. Um, this has just been amazing conversation, and what I'm what I'm taking away is, of course, that quote that uh, money is fuel. Um, mm-hmm. 
because I do believe money is energy and that it is an exchange and uh, that you can have spirituality and still be able to know your uh, monetary worth in terms of the exchange and that it doesn't make you bad. Um, And that and I also really heard you trusting the universe um, Mm -hmm. in 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 propelling you towards enlightenment or just better um, transformation and and that being in service is also an important component. Um, And, um, and I'm excited that you're going to have land with lots of uh, dogs and animals because that's what I'm working on too. (laughs) (laughs) You made made a very interesting, good point. It's like the biggest is having faith and, and risk and just getting out of like speaking for myself also from my old, my parents, their their generation, you know, when they grew up, my dad was born in the beginning of uh, uh, second world war in Germany. So it's all about physical survival. So there's not time to emotionally or spiritually process anything. Right. It's like, you know, that's a security and that's the thinking I took on as well. And it's fine to work for them, but we need to move beyond that and, and take in certain steps with faith and trust, you know, and not giving into this, this, the self-diminishing negative self-talk, you know, we, we all have that voice, like, yeah, we, down. and the more we can be conscious of that voice, the more we can then make choices that serve us. Exactly. Mm, yeah. 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 Where can people find you on social media? I know you've got a podcast. Um, yeah. Where can people find you? Yeah. So uh, my website is lauramatsu.com. And I also have a Facebook. If you look up Laura Matsu, um, I have a Twitter. I just started using Twitter again. I have Instagram. So I have all of the, all all the, of the same platforms. Name. Yeah. <laughs> same for my website is veilofreality.com. So it's packed with a lot of information. I go pretty deep into all kinds of esotericism, spirituality, and, and uh, offer various services on there. And, uh, Facebook page is also Veil of Reality and also my personal Facebook page, Bernhard Gunther. Beautiful. Well, it's been great having you on the show. I want to be sure to tell our audience, don't forget to share the love. Um, You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. Um, Laura. Bernard, it has been an awesome conversation. Thank you for sharing and being vulnerable. And uh, I wish you much success in all of your endeavors. Thank Thank you so much, Bob. It was excellent. Thank you. Thank you.